Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nerd Like Me podcast. I'm your host, Corey Howell, and I've got my, I guess, new co-host, uh, Chris Gladden here with me. Um, Aaron is still MIA, um, yeah. and probably, honestly, just for, for simplicity purposes and scheduling stuff, um, Aaron's a busy guy, so we'll probably have Aaron join us, um, but this will probably be the uh, the setup going forward is with Chris and I. Um, I think it's going pretty well, um, and like I said, I'm a, I'm a consistency guy, so if we can keep it the same as much as possible. I think that's good, better for everybody. Um, so how you doing, Chris? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Um, so we were the last couple of weeks. We kind of talked about um, movies and our favorite um, types of movies in specific genres. So we talked about science fiction and we talked about fantasy movies. And I think um, we're missing a, a big kind of subgroup of movies that we've we've talked about the types of movies on the show, but we've never. You know, we never talked about our favorite ones. So, yeah. um, you know, superhero movies are probably the biggest thing right now. Um, it seems like Marvel is just kicking the teeth in for everybody. You know, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't believe how many superhero movies we have coming out in a year. You know, uh, just every year they're just pumping out so many, and and most of them are pretty good. You know, <laughs> yeah, they're all. I mean, to me, um, you know, they're all entertaining. You know, it's yeah. one of the things where I've never really watched one in been like wow i just wasted my money type mm-hmm. thing i always walk out like oh that was fun you yeah. know i mean it, yeah i don't know the story is not always the best some of the characters aren't always the best but it it's not like i'm not upset right you know i guess and i also am just not the type of person to get super attached you know i, I mean you're pre- like for captain america if they mess captain america up you'd probably be pretty upset yeah, I would. I would definitely be disappointed <laughs> at a minimum. <laughs> so, so I mean, that's you know, that's what I'm saying. I'm not for whatever reason. I, I just, I guess, I've been able to distance myself from that kind of thing. Right. Um, so it's led to kind of like you know, I always see um, when these movies come out. There's just usually always whether it's on Reddit or Facebook or somewhere where people are discussing these movies. There's just a ton of people mm-hmm. that are just livid for something. It could have been yeah. Infinity War, which is easily like one of the best movies in general that I've seen, and people are like, oh, this is terrible. And you I'm know, like, I always wonder. On. I always wonder with those is like how much of that really is just for attention. You know, like do, oh, are yeah. they really this offended by this movie? You know, or is it just that like I just want a pedestal and this to is talk, yeah. this is the best pedestal that I could find. So now I'm just going to talk about how much I hate this movie because it's you know it's kind of trendy to not like certain movies. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that you hit it on the head. It's it's that trendy aspect a lot of time. Like oh well, you know Marvel's ruining it or right. or Disney's ruining Marvel or Disney's ruining Star Wars and we need to hop on this bandwagon and you know like I said light our pitchforks and and whatever it's like come on and it's part of this clickbait media that we got going on too i mean it's just people want to read about stuff that people don't like these like dissenting days. opinions right. and, and drama and right. yeah, I'm, I'm with you it you know it seems like it'd be a lot better just to be like now they're they're pretty good keep keep them coming right you know at least that's where i'm at but um so you you are a crazy superhero fan right i mean oh yeah absolutely um we're actually sitting at chris's house recording today and there's i'm looking at a, a picture of batman and, and superman and wonder woman in his in his kitchen um behind me there are superhero statues so yeah there's captain america and superman pointing you upstairs and <laughs> there's i tried and it's it's kind of funny because uh my goal when i started doing all this stuff is i wanted the living area to be normal looking so when you walk okay. in my house you didn't realize how much of a dork i am <laughs> um but i ran out of room upstairs <laughs> so it, was, it kind of it just it so it just you know you get to the point where it's like well i don't want to stop buying stuff so i guess i'm just gonna start putting it somewhere else <laughs> yeah i guess people are just gonna have to figure it out that you're a, a dork but yeah um so this is probably a pretty d- difficult decision for you then 
being such a, a fan of all things superhero. Yeah. Well, actually, before we go into that, what what is it about superheroes? Or like, what's the like? Why is that your thing? You know, that, I don't know that I have a really good answer for that. Um, I just grew up with uh, with superheroes around me. Um, you know, I've always looked up to people like Arnold Schwarzenegger and, you know, yeah. these just larger than life characters. Um, and I've always looked for, you know, that, that hero, um, you know, my dad, you know, he's, uh, he, he's retired from the army. And so, you know, he was kind of one of my heroes when I was a kid. And so just kind of latching on to that, uh, you know, that, that beacon of light out there, you know, I, my childhood was, uh, was a little bit rough. I mean, it wasn't like, I didn't have a bad childhood for any, by any means, but you know, like my dad was in the army, so he was gone a lot. And then my mom like opened businesses and whatnot. So she was gone a lot. So I was alone a lot, or if I wasn't hanging out with friends and whatnot. And so just, just having things that, uh, that like inspired like role me. models that were, yeah. that were there when yeah, you wanted them absolutely. to be there. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what they were. I mean, that's what I, you know, that's what I based, you know, some of my morality off of is as superheroes and, and, and characters like that um you know captain america you know i bring him up a lot he's i mean he's obviously my favorite character and you know the way that he thinks about things is is kind of the way that i think about things i like i like freedom that's what, you know that's what he stands for um you know so that's that's really how i started getting into it and also i loved drawing just it sounds kind of weird but i love drawing big muscular men i mean that when i was a kid like i just like like i thought that you know drawing dudes with giant muscles was really cool so like i remember you know as a kid i loved drawing dragon ball z yeah that was i was gonna say I dragon draw, ball z was drawing was superheroes um mortal Kombat characters uh goro was one of my favorites because i mean he yeah, was he just was a huge, giant yeah. ball of muscle and he had four, four arms, arms so that's yeah. four arms that i could draw <laughs> so um you know, that's that's kind of how I got into it. They just inspired me, you know, okay. and uh, I've always been into art, um, you know, so seeing the art side of superheroes was really big for me. And it's and you look at, a uh, you know, a comic panel and you see all of these little details that if you're not even looking for, you'll never even see. Yeah, but if you, once, that, once you it. really start looking at it, it's like I can't believe how much detail they put into this tiny little square, you know. Um, and I mean, that's that's always been uh something that interested me is just seeing the actual art side of the comic book okay. heroes. Like the act, you know, the characters are fun and the writing is good, but the art was what really drew me to it. Okay. That's interesting because I, it's one of the things when I look at comics, um, or, you know, I don't, I don't even extend that to books. Um, one of the reasons I struggle with those things is because they're, the focus is on the, the, this detail, Mm-hmm. Right, and not the story is there, and it's important, obviously. But to get the story from a comic book to me is is a, a drawn out process. Yeah, you've got it. You know, you're reading all these panels. You're like you're doing like, and it's just dialogue lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, movies were always a thing that really captured my attention because I could be like spoon fed the story right. and, and that kind of stuff. No, I totally um, get that. Um, so it's you know it's hard for me when I look at a, at a. Uh, a comic book panel i don't necessarily see the those details mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm focused on like what's the story so i'm like reading the dialogue and going to the next panel as quickly as i can so that right. i can understand the story mm-hmm. um so that's an interesting perspective i mean so did you i guess you read a lot of comics growing up then yeah i read i read quite a few um 
It's funny because one of my friends, um, he wasn't really into comic books, but his older brother was really into comic books. And so I would go over there and hang out with them, and his older brother would just, like, whatever comic book he was done reading, he would just give it to me. So I had this, you know, pretty good-sized comic book collection that I never even had to pay for. And, uh, you know, he he was an amazing artist also. Um, so I'd go over there and, you know, they, you know, they would start both, both him and his brother would start drawing. Um, and you know, I, I was just nowhere near on their skill level. He was, right. like, he was a couple years older than me and he was just, he's just naturally talented. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was like a really big inspiration on my art. Um, and, uh, I lost where I was going with that. It's all right. <laughs> no, I mean, um, you know, the, the drawing part of it and, and even just having comic books, I never had any. Right. Um, and I don't know whether that was a money thing where it was like we couldn't buy the comic books because mm-hmm. I don't even remember what they cost. Yeah, I mean, comic books weren't cheap. I mean, yeah. especially if you were buying them every week, you know, yeah, for I mean, a kid. In the, in the 90s, so it wasn't like it was, you know, the super old times where they were yeah, 10 cents or whatever, you know. Um, and I almost felt like, you know, it had gotten to the point when I was a kid that comic books were a collectible thing. Right. So they weren't just like this publication media. They were like a this is a collector's item. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's how they were viewed yeah, by that, by the company selling them, right? Yeah. So therefore the price goes up. This is not just a story about Batman. This is a, this in and of itself. Right. Is a potential collector's piece. I mean that's one of the things that ruined comics for a long time unfortunately. Really? Yeah, I mean the, the big bubble that happened uh you know in the 90s, it was all because of that because everybody was trying to come out. You know, every every year or so like they would just reboot something and it'd just be like there's this new number one superman and because oh. everybody because the first edition was of worth a, a series ton. would well it not necessarily is worth a ton it was worth a ton to the printers because they would sell say two million copies of the first comic oh because everybody wanted that number one but then the second comic they'd sell two hundred thousand wow. and the third comic they'd sell a hundred thousand and it would you know it would just keep going down from there so that the only way that they were making money is every time they'd reboot or they'd come out with these alternate comic covers um that were more rare yeah it's it it ruined comics for a long time they still do some of it they're not nearly as bad as they used to be about i think the digital media is probably helping that right yeah i think that 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 definitely helps some because it's it's a little bit cheaper for people to get into the digital media because you can you know you got like marvel Marvel unlimited Unlimited. and yeah even just from a printing perspective i don't necessarily need to you know if i'm a if i'm marvel and i'm made I don't need to print these comics. Right. I can produce it and upload it online. That costs me zero money. Yeah. Whether I sell one or I sell two million or I sell 10 million. Right. right? Um, versus with you're talking about a printing line, all that set up and, and, you know, that's involved in physically making mm-hmm. something is a big difference. Oh, yeah. So now you can probably lower your production runs and not worry about I'm making my money from the first one. Right. Right. You know. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. I never really knew much about the that. I, it was just something I assumed, you know, it was. I remember going to uh, Comic Book World when I was little in, in the 90s, and they had obviously comic, a ton of comic books, and they were always just seemed expensive. And I was like, man, this just seems like I can't spend 15 bucks every every week or every right. couple weeks just to read a, a Batman story kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so, yeah, I never really got much into that. I was mostly in the, the TV shows and the movies kind of thing. Yeah, as long as you got it the week it came out. Like, most comics were not too bad. Like, I think your late 90s or whatever you're looking at about... Two fifty three bucks. I'm thinking of book. like those anthology books. Usually, as well. oh yeah. yeah, so like the paper, trade paperbacks yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah th- I mean, those definitely were a little bit more expensive. Um, and buying, 
you know, the floppies, which is what they call the regular comics, that's that could end up being cheaper than buying some of the collections, um, just depending on, you know, who you got it from and if you got a discount or whatever. Um, but I preferred I preferred the floppies because those are the ones that actually have the collector's value to it. And, and right. being that I like collecting things, that that's the important part for me. So, you know, when I started really buying comics, I would always buy two. So you'd have a reader <laughs> copy and then, so it gets, it's exponentially more expensive, and, yeah. you know? Um, and then you're buying, you're buying sleeves, you're buying the, the cardboard to the go boxes, in the sleeve to yeah. keep it, to keep it protected. And then oh, the box is on top yeah, of that. Yeah, I got you. So, you know, and then, you know, your really valuable comics, you put those in like another like hard plastic sleeve. So you're, I mean, you're, you like end up with like $4 worth of protector stuff for this $3. $2 thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, you know, out of all that, I mean, what, what, what is your favorite superhero movie then? I would, I mean, you know, I feel like it's a, it's kind of the it's kind of cliche just because it's the it's a lot of people's favorite is I mean Infinity War. I think that they did an amazing job on Infinity yeah. War. Um, you know, I kind of mentioned this last week, but I mean the fact that they can have so many of those characters on screen at the same time in the same movie. It was just it was a marvel, feel, and they didn't feel like passed over or no, not at all. You know, they all had legitimate lines and legitimate. They added to the story. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like somebody's just doing a cameo in the background, right? Right. I mean, they all had dialogue. They all had um, a purpose for being there. Yeah, and the the humor, the action, and then the lulls in between was just paced so well that the whole movie. I'm just like. I hope that this movie's not not almost over. You know, I don't right. like to I don't like to look at my watch during a movie because I don't want to know when it's going to be over. I don't want to know when we're getting close to the end. So you know, the whole time I'm like, man, I really hope there's a lot more of this movie left because I I just couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the characters were they were all there. They were well represented. Um, you know, I think that uh, they did an amazing job with Thanos. Yeah, I mean he's. Uh, I, I can't think of a better villain that's been in any of these movies. No. They, they do, you know, what I was really interested in was how they gave him a human feel. Yeah. You know, usually you have these bad guys that are just like, not evil incarnate, but like, he's just a bad guy. Right. Like, that's all he is. His, his entire existence is he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with, with Thanos, they did a great job of... Like un, like you almost sympathize with the guy. Mm-hmm. You're like, I, I get it. I get what you're saying, man. Like it makes sense, you know. And he's making hard decisions, exactly. And you can tell that he's having to make hard decisions, right? To do what he's trying to do. It's not like, oh, well, I'm just going to wreck the world and that's it. Yeah, you know. And they made. I mean, he is an OP character, but they don't make him overtly OP. Where it's just like. You know, like I said, where you've got like Apocalypse, who he just stands there with this force field, and it's like the only way they can defeat him is getting rid of this force field. You know, he's he's powerful, but it shows that he has some potential weaknesses. You know, now Thanos, you say he's OP, but again, I didn't get that impression in the movie. And is is Thanos OP without the gauntlet? I mean, he's really powerful without the gauntlet, but with the gauntlet, I mean, he's un. He's basically untouchable. Basically untouchable. Um, you know, obviously, I mean, he's he's still going to have some weaknesses because they they've got to push the story along. Sure. I mean, you can't just have the one guy ruling, you know, the whole Marvel universe forever. Right. Um, but uh, you know, as a character, he he's I mean, extremely powerful. I mean, look at what he did to to Hulk before he even had the gauntlet. I mean, he well, just, he had no he he had the gauntlet at that point, right? Yeah, but he did, it wasn't powered up at that time. He you had know what I mean? one of the stones, right? 
the power stone, the the purple one. Did he have? That I think at so because okay. he he had gone to Xandar and taken it at that point. Okay, maybe maybe he did, but. He, I mean, still before that, I mean, he was still an extremely yeah, powerful Yeah, I just, I just don't I mean, know anything about Thanos. That's why I'm yeah. asking, right? Is is it the, the gauntlet that makes him that? or is No, is, he, he's he's inher- inherently powerful, and that's what allows him to be able to wield the gauntlet and the, all okay, of the Okay, now, is, is his entire race of people that way? Um, you don't really get too much about his race of people. Like, there's there's not too much that I recall reading in any of the comics um, about his people. So okay, I don't I just, really know. I was curious, because in the movie they them. talk about his planet and, you yeah. Kind of see before it was destroyed, mm-hmm. so that's why I was wondering if there was some backstory that I was missing there. But yeah, I don't really. I mean, it may have been in some of the the other comics that I didn't end up reading about Thanos. Um, but unfortunately, I don't. You're slacking, man. Yeah. Come on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, man. I, I it's hard pressed for me not to agree with you. Is that being the best one? Um, I mean, it's fun. Yeah, it really checks all the boxes, right? There's parts that, like, pull at your heartstrings. I mean, and, you know, that's not something you look for in a, in a superhero movie. Like, yeah. that's... And they did it in a meaningful way. Like, they tried to do it in Justice League with, you know, Clark Kent going back to the old farm and stuff like that. And it just... It meant yeah. nothing to me. Yeah. Well, again, that's because they've spent zero time, in my opinion, really developing those yeah. characters. And I mean, that's true. And we just don't care. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, I mean, of the other ones that get notable mentions for me, I would say The Dark Knight. Okay. Um, or sorry, actually, you know, everyone says The Dark Knight. I, I think I like Batman Begins better. Really? Better than The Dark Knight? Yeah, I think, I think I'll think. be honest here, this is not going to be a popular opinion, but I think um, The Dark Knight gets a lot of Heath Ledger bonus points. Yeah. And I th- on that unfortunate situation, I think, aids to the, the, like, everyone thinks that movie's better than it is and that he, he did a better job than he did because of what happened. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that because, I'm, I mean, I do have sympathy for the fact that he did pass away after the movie, but I don't think that that really, I don't feel like that that guides any of my opinion. It might not, might, maybe not yours, but yeah. I feel like in general people are like, this is the best I mean, that Ever. could be, but I mean, I think it's the best. I mean, I think it's the best of the three personally. I mean, it, but I mean, it is Heath Ledger that makes it the best. I mean, his character was just so good and it, it was so believable that you could have a villain like this um, that I really enjoyed it. Whereas the, like the other ones are, you know, a little bit more over the top, like your typical, your typical Batman characters. But his, I mean, granted, he's still over the top. But it's over the top in a way where, you know, there could really be a crazy guy out there doing this instead of, you know, this super ninja master. Razal you know, Ghul, Ghul like was. And I mean, he's a, you know, he's a fun character. I like him being in there, but he's just not, he doesn't really bring that much to the table. No, no. I mean, for me, I like Begins better because it's an origin story. Mm-hmm. I, and I typically, if they do origin stories well, it's hard for me not not, not to like yeah. them. Because um, I like the superhero. And I feel like in, in, the, in the sequels and the sub- subsequent movies, you get to learn about the villains maybe or there's like something that happens but the focus on the in the origin stories is always on the superhero yeah and i like that like why are they doing what they're doing yeah what like, motivates who, who are the who are they right mm-hmm. how did they end up where they ended up so yeah that's a, that's a notable mention for me um the iron man movies are okay i don't think any of them stand out to me really as being some of the best no I mean, I, I do appreciate the first one for being the one that, that really kicked it off, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what I was going to say, right? It was kind of marked the, the beginning of an era. Yeah. Um, the first Avengers is probably the second, the second of my list. Yeah, it was a, the Avengers was movies in general, yeah. really, right? I mean, because you you get these kind of larger than life problems. Mm-hmm. It's not like you know, in some of these other like the the specific hero movies, you get kind of like this. 
small little, oh, he's kind of, he's, we should probably put him in jail kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that the the first Avengers movie was one of the first movies that uh, really started making you laugh um, really yeah. hard. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, the whole scene with Loki and, and Thor, and, or in, or, in uh, the Hulk, yeah. The Hulk, you know. I mean, that, that, that scene <laughs> was classic, just amazing. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. Um, even just Loki in general in that movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just can't think of, like I said, the, the bigger, the Avengers movies all have these like big problems that pose serious threats and, Mm -hmm. um, they actually frame it as being a problem where some of the, in some of the other superhero movies, it's like, this guy's on a rampage. We got to stop him. Right. But it's not really that big a deal. Like we're going to, we're going to take care of it. You know what I mean? But in, in like the Avengers and, and even age of Ultron, it's like, this is a, if we don't stop this, like it's going to be real bad, right? You know, um, total annihilation. Yeah, yeah. So um, I really liked it, and you know, I, it's kind of funny. I everyone is so um, well, going back to um, Infinity War. Everyone was so upset at the end when Thanos does his little snap and, and starts yeah. racing. I guess those people just never knew anything about the Infinity Gauntlet comics. I didn't because- either. <laughs> I mean, I didn't either. So I didn't know that that was what was going to yeah. happen, but. Um, I wasn't at all upset when the bad guy finally wins one time. Right? Yeah, because I mean, I'm like, I see all these people's reactions and stuff, and they're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this happened!" And I'm like, I'm sitting here like, "Well, I mean, anybody that knew anything about it knew that that was coming." So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, and and you knew it was going to happen at the end of that movie too, because I mean, he finally got it together, and it's like, well, I mean, that's like the whole. I mean, that's his whole thing is that snap. So, um. I wasn't shocked by that. I was I was a little bit shocked by the characters that uh, you know turned into dust. Like I I wasn't expecting that many of the prominent characters to be turned into dust. You know, well, that's why everyone. I think it's beautiful, right? Because everyone gets so attached to their favorite superhero. Oh yeah, and they just disappear. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I mean, again, props to Disney for doing that, right? I mean, yeah. what else tugs on your heartstrings? Yeah, I mean that scene with you know Spider Man oh, disappearing. Yeah. I hope you know. Hopefully, everybody's listening to this has seen this. But, <laughs> but by at this now, point, we at this point, I'm not worried. We, about we can't it, yeah. do spoiler warnings at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, when Spider Man goes down, it's like, damn, like I mean, that's like you know, it's like him losing his son and just watching him, you know, leave and yeah. That that did get to me a little. It bit. It got very that. serious yeah. very fast. Um, I, I did also like Thor in that movie, though. Oh yeah, Thor was great in that movie. Um, he was he's one of those ones where the first two Thor movies, and even in the first Avengers, like he's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. But in that movie, I think he really starts to in that and Ragnarok, right? You yeah. really start to see what Thor can do. They, they finally found his niche, you know. Like they finally accepted the fact that okay, he's like he's going to be super. OP for the universe. Yeah, right. But they rein they still rein him in enough that that he's a fun character in the show. And I mean he's he's freaking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and what a better actor to I mean they they've that's one thing I will say is they've casted the entire universe. The entire universe has perfect people playing every role. I mean I can't think of Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I was just gonna say I can't I can't think of any character that I'm just like, Oh, I wish that, you know, so and so was playing yeah. that character. No, I, I, I agree completely. Um the, but I was gonna say we, we kinda talked about this um maybe a week or two ago, uh when the deal with the X Men rights went through. Oh yeah. So we're talking about guys, and you'll probably uh, 
this is an interesting topic for us. How are they gonna like? Are, they, are we gonna see a reboot? Yeah. Like, is, is X-Men not... Like, the X-Men as it exists up until this point, is that going to go As away? tired as I am of reboots, like, I think that that's what we need. We just need to forget about all of the Fox stuff and just do a whole new, this is Disney's X-Men. Yeah. Um, but then we talk about some of the characters, right? So, like, Wolverine... I mean, yeah. come on. You can't replace Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I mean, he's he's iconic at this point to me. Yeah, and he's built himself into that character, too. I mean, just remember, like, if, do you remember seeing what he looked like in, in yeah, Wolverine yeah. 1? I mean, he's he was much just, bigger. Yeah. He was just tall and skinny. But now, I mean, he's starting to get to the point where, you know, he's he, he's looking like a legitimate superhero. I mean, he's on yeah. he's on a pretty good diet. And, <laughs> um, you know, he, he looks perfect to the part, especially, you know, when they did Old Man Logan. He just he looked fantastic in that movie. Yeah, um, him and him all grunged out and and just worn down. I mean, it was it was perfect. So that's what I mean. So then we've got we've got um, Wolverine that I think is going to be really hard to recast. Mm-hmm. Um, and not because whoever they, there's not somebody else out there that would do a good job, but just because he's been so iconic with that character. Yeah. Like you give somebody else like like Storm, like you can recast like Halle Berry. She did a good job or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But like, you could recast her and it wouldn't be a big deal. No, I mean, I don't think anybody would even notice really. You unless, know, unless saying? they're just big Halle Berry fans, and I don't know that many. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying, though? Yeah. It's like I feel like a lot of the other casting decisions are just okay. We can take it or leave it. Yeah. But Wolverine and like that's that's Hugh Jack. I mean, like yeah. you said, he, they are synonymous at this point, right? Professor and X. Professor X is the other one. That's <laughs> that's the one that I think they're going to have. Even I think he's. More yeah, I was going to say he's even worse than Wolverine because aesthetically, like, did they just draw Patrick Stewart? Yeah. Like I'm looking at the comics, I'm like, that's fucking Patrick Stewart. Or, or you look at, I mean, the '90s TV show. Like, I mean, it exactly. Looks like- I mean, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you can't pick somebody that looks better. Yeah. Um. So that's the one that I'm like, man, where do you? Because I don't know how old he is right now either, but. I mean, he's definitely getting up there. So to me, is that on from that front? It's like, yeah, you love to cast him, but do you cast him because of because of his age? Like, at what point is he going to retire and not want to be Professor X anymore? Right. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to get a serious contract with that guy. And I mean, you know, even if you have that contract, I mean, at some point, you know, you he's not going to. I mean, yeah, he's, he's made not. he's made more money than he could ever spend in you know three or four lifetimes. So. Yep. Does he need that extra Disney money? I mean, maybe he does. I don't know. I mean, it'd be hard to say no to. <laughs> and, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, if, if I had been, you know, if I was cast as Wolverine, for example, mm-hmm. I would want to continue to play Wolverine, right? Oh, absolutely. But at a certain point, it's like, do I want to do that if I'm 70? Yeah. Or do I just want to, like, go sit on a beach somewhere? I you know mean, what I mean? I would. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would go sit point, on a beach though, somewhere right? when With I'm Patrick 50. Stewart, so. it's like, I would see how he might want to still be Professor X. Mm-hmm. Because um, he's kind of, I'm, I'm sure there's, you know, I, I, the the process of filming a movie and doing all the the work that's involved with that, you get to probably really identify with that character. Oh yeah, and feel like it's you to a certain extent. I mean, right? again, you know, we're going back to Logan again, but I mean, look at how he portrayed his character in Logan. I mean, he was, I think that he was the best part of that movie. Yeah, you know, um, it, obviously it wasn't uh, it wasn't all about him, but his his parts in that movie really brought me into that movie and you yeah. could just see him fading away. And then he, you have this glimmer of hope that he's going to, he's going to finally be back to who he was. And then, you know, the, the the story moves on and that's, that's just not the case. And I mean, his portrayal in that movie, like I'm like, I, I want, 
I want that to be what Professor X is. Yeah. <laughs> in the new movies. Um. So yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with that, but I they've got some tough decisions ahead. Yeah. I mean, it'll make money regardless, but I'm I'm really curious to see what who they pick and and really what a timeline is for that cuz right. I mean, for me, if I'm them, I'm, you know, I'm going to try and get my money back as quickly as possible. Yeah. And then I mean, if you look in the pool of actors that we have out there, <laughs> they're starting to run out of people to use in yeah. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that are not, you know, people that are already playing those characters and I don't think that they would want any of those people. Now, I will say this, or and this, many of those this isn't back. super relevant, I guess. Um, cuz Deadpool's kind of a joke movie like it's not mm-hmm. Um, does it te- is it technically canon in the in the MCU? I don't think so. No, it's not because it's not it's not MCU. It's it's Sony. Oh, is it? Yeah, I didn't realize that. Okay, well, never mind then. But I was gonna say I was disappointed with Juggernaut in the Deadpool two. Yeah, it's kind of I didn't like the way he looked. I didn't. Yeah, like some the way people he really sounded. liked him, but he was yeah he was. I don't know. I, I didn't really get anything out of out of him in that. Yeah, I agree. I was Colossus. Just, I love though. Well, yeah, Colossus is great in that. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It was just um, it was a little disappointing because I yeah. like Juggernaut as a character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. We'll see. Like you said, the pool of actors is getting pretty shallow. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, you, how many you have to people that are fit? That's what that I was are, say. That are charismatic. You know, I mean, it's, there's. Uh, and you know, and they keep, and you can tell that they're starting to run out of actors. Like I love Olivia Munn, like on uh, G Four TV or whatever, yeah. but I think she's a terrible actor. Like she, she, <laughs> she can host a show and do a great job at that, but I don't think that she does anything for cinema. You know, so her in Psylocke, you know, it was just it was just a really bad casting for me. And yeah. you're starting to hit, you know, some of those D list celebrities. And I mean, granted, a lot of the MCU was. You know, do you know be at least B list celebrities, and then they rose up from that. So I'm not saying that you know we're not going to yeah. get there, but I just don't see a lot of actors that that they can pull from. Um, but granted, I mean, I don't know all the actors, you know, and all the other different shows. I mean, you know, you you got characters being pulled from, uh, you know, Parks and Rec, making one of the best. <laughs> ca- I mean, and, and and he's he's absolutely perfect for Star Lord. So yeah, no, he like, does. He does. You such just a good never job. know. Um. Yeah, but it just makes you curious. Yeah. And like you said, maybe they'll pick somebody that we haven't even seen. Yeah. And they'll be awesome, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but I just think they've got their work cut out for them, and I hope we see something sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I can't imagine Disney sitting on it too long. No, they're not going to sit on it, and they're going to – I mean, they're going to make good decisions because it's really important for them to make good decisions. So we're going to see – I mean, we're going to – I'm not going to say that each one is going to be a home run – but I mean, so far the casting that they've done for everybody has been, you know, at least a triple base. <laughs> yeah, no, you're so. right. Yeah, they've done they've done a good job, and I I think it'll continue. Um, so kind of on a similar topic, um, what we're seeing. So obviously, we we mentioned Patrick Stewart's age. We're talking about um, extensive contracts with these actors, mm-hmm. and how long? I mean, how long has Robert Downey Jr. been Iron Man? God, he's been Iron Man I mean, for a long ten years, time. right? I think yeah. it was like two thousand eight when that came out, the yeah. first one, I mean something like that. So, at some point, do we get new versions of these same heroes? Yeah, I don't know. How, I don't know what they're going to do with that. Um, 
Because, I, I mean, I've heard lots of, I mean, granted, these are all rumors, but I've heard lots of rumors of several of those characters not wanting to re-up, or, or several of those actors not wanting to re-up their contracts after Infinity War. And, I mean, they haven't really announced very much at all after Infinity War with a lot of these characters. So, yeah. And I don't know if it's a money thing or if they're just, you know. I doubt it's, a, I mean, money as far as yeah. the actors want more money or... Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's... I have a hard time believing that, man. They're rolling in money. No, I mean, they are. But I mean, but when you're rolling in money, I mean, you want to roll in more money. I mean, that's pretty typical. But, I, and you know, that might be a very small part of it. But then again, I mean, you know, we kind of talked about the, uh, last week, um, care, you know, these people are artists, you know, so do they want to just be that? Do they want or to be want, yeah, do, Or do they want to step out and, and do some of those drama roles? Well, I want or, to make $200 million in movies is what I want to do. But not everybody does. I mean, every <laughs> well, maybe everybody wants to make $200 million, but maybe they want to do it, you know, doing a different character, you know, showing. I because at that point they can, right? right. It's not like they're going to make. No shabby money yeah. going to do something else. This you know, way. I mean, like look at look at like Rembrandt or something like that. You know, he didn't paint the same thing over and over because it made him money. He 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 got to the point where he did similar things until he started making money, like good money, and then he started doing whatever he wanted. And that's kind of what a lot of artists do. And I mean, actors are artists, whether we really look at it like that or not. I mean, <laughs> right. a lot of them want to stretch their legs and, and show their you artistic know, capabilities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I understand that. Um, I'm just curious too, because you know, someone in the group um, posted um, something about a female Captain America. Yeah. So then, so then we get into another topic of if we do recast actors, or whatever. How how extreme do we make these changes? Mm-hmm. Is it just oh uh, we go from Robert Downey Jr. to some other middle aged white guy? Yeah, that kind of maybe kind of looks like him, or right? You know, like um, it's never going to have the same charisma. I mean, he might like ha- Rhodey, right? Yeah. I mean, something like that that happens where you recast somebody, you get the same same height. He's a black guy, like right? You know, um, is that what you do, or do you just go in a whole different? you know, direction and even potentially make, make somebody a female or, or, um, you know, something like may change their, their, uh, ethnicity or, or what, you know, their height or, I mean, some major characteristic, right. right? See, I, you know, I don't really like the idea of that. Not, and you know, it doesn't really have anything to do with race or anything like that, but I just, if we're, if that person is going to retire, like say Chris Evans is just decides to retire as Captain America, um, they should just hire me and then we'll be fine. Right. <laughs> I think that they should just be done with them for a while. Okay. And just say that, you know, Captain America isn't going to be in, in the MCU for a while. And then after people have gotten over that, then at that point, let's, let's look at getting a new Captain America. But I think it should still be like, Steve Rogers, you know, I don't think that we should, we should try to make a whole new character that's going to be Captain America. Um, yeah, like just take up the mantle of Captain America, right? right? I, and and it's happened many times, and I know people are going to argue with me about that. It's happened a lot of times in the comics, and I didn't like it when it happened in the comics either. I don't, I don't like that idea. Like, you know, um, Bucky took up the mantle before. Um, you know, and he was Captain America for a while and it just, it wasn't the same. Like he wasn't Captain America. He just wore the costume. Like he did things very differently. And it's just like, if you're going to call that Captain America, 
I think you're just wasting everybody's time that's interested in it because right. it's not who Captain America is. And I get you have to change the arcs of characters and whatnot, but you change that character. You don't change the mantle of that character. I would agree. Um, you know, I think it's it feels it feels forced when you do that. Absolutely. Like, oh well, you know, it, it's obvious that it's not the best from a a, a story perspective, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So kind of breaking the fourth wall, right? Like, you know what happened. Right. You're like, oh, dude didn't want to be Captain America anymore, so they had to shoehorn in why so-and-so is now Captain America. And it's like, well, that's stupid. Yeah. You know, I'd rather you, like you said, just leave Captain America out for a while and then recast him. Or or to me... You know, make an original hero, or or you pull use somebody else from from the universe. Right. I mean, there's so many characters. Like you Marvel. have artistic license to do all that. Yeah. You know, he doesn't. At some point, you're going to have to put these heroes to bed mm-hmm. because the ha- the actors, regardless of how long, are still going to have a half life. Yeah. I mean, ten years ago, or maybe not ten years ago, but let's say fifteen years ago, most people had no clue who the Avengers were. Yeah. You know, people might know kind of who Captain America was. But it's the movies that put all these characters on the map everywhere. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't go to Walmart without seeing somebody wearing a Captain America T-shirt or something, you know. And, you know, even Under Armour sells, you know, superhero T-shirts. And, it, and it's because of, you know, what's been going on. And they developed these characters. So why can't we just add some new characters? Why can't there be a new team? I think um, it's part part fear, right? Like people are afraid that whatever they get to replace won't be the same or as good as what they loved. And it won't be. I mean, but I think that we all have to accept that we have to be realistic. Things have to change. I mean, if you want, you know, people complain about all these reboots, but they work, you know, and, but we don't want to have everything to just be a reboot. So let's, let's give a chance to new stories about new things that we haven't seen before. I mean, eventually we're going to run out of epic stories from the comic books that were, that are worth retelling and they're going to have to start coming up with their own new, you know, plot points for, for these characters. So my thought is why not just skip that whole process in the middle and maybe just start doing that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I mean, instead of necessarily, okay, well, we're not going to use captain American iron man. Let's look for another MCU hero that Mm -hmm. exists. Just make a new one. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have to be based on a comic book hero. No, he doesn't. And I think, honestly, that's a that's a really exciting, like, direction for me. Because, I mean, how old are these comic book characters? I mean, Captain America is, like, 80 years old. So that's what I'm saying, right? You look at a lot of these, and they've been around for a long time. Yeah. So does it necessarily mesh very well with, like, pop culture now and where we are as a society now? Right. I think we're shoehorning them in to fit, and it works. But how much better would it be if we took modern ideas and modern things and put them into a hero? Oh, absolutely. Like modern struggles that, you know, they're doing that sort of with, with Spider-Man where you're getting modern teenage struggles in, yeah. in his stories. Um, and they used to do that with X-Men in the 90s. Like, that was a yeah. lot of struggle. You know, a lot of people that just didn't know their place in society. And, I mean, that's what the X-Men were all about. Um, we're trying to unite to all of yeah. these people that, that wanted to fit in. And and obviously, you know, that's starting to change. But we still, I mean, we still see that today. I mean, you see all these controversies over, you know, one group of people or another right. that, that either aren't accepted or they're not treated right. And, you know... That could be that could be what they're they're about in the new X Men, you know. Um, instead of it just being about the supervillain, it could go back to 
talking about, you know, the struggles of of the mutants and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, it could go a lot of directions. I mean, it just my point is you, you have a lot of fresh ideas and fresh mm-hmm. directions that you could go, and we're in a very different place now than when yeah. Batman was invented. And, I mean, you know, it's it might not be that easy to make a whole new character with whole new well, I didn't um, say it would be easy, skills or anything you know? like that um, and superpowers and whatnot, but, I mean... I bet you. I bet you could get a uh, a, cr- a class of fifth graders together and tell them <laughs> to make a new superhero. And I bet you'd you'd come out with two or three that would that be are worth, workable. Yeah. yeah, that that you could add a little bit more story them. to. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I mean that's just one group of thirty kids. I, you know, I think that that's possible. You know, I a think lot it's of, perfectly. You have a, a lot of very talented writers. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if you give them some license to to be creative. Mm-hmm. They're going to come up with something good. Yeah. I mean, so at a certain point, I'm kind of curious if they go in that direction instead of trying to, okay, well, let's wait until Captain America. Let's, let's, you know, let's ax him for a couple of years and wait till it dies down and then we'll just recast him and regurgitate the same stuff. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's definitely not what we need. I mean, we need, we need fresh ideas, you know, to keep, to keep these things going. And I feel like even in the comic book world, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's not happening there either. No, it's not. I mean, they just keep, they, they just keep adding these characters to, you know, they just keep reusing mantles of characters and making a different person, Captain America or a different person, Thor or or a different person, Iron Man or or Batman and Robin and, you know, it's like I get occasionally, you know, a story might be more interesting if you have somebody take up the mantle like that. That's that could happen in some stories, but I think it's overused almost as much as reboots these days. It's like another way of rebooting without, you know, rebooting the whole the whole line. It's just like okay, right. well, we're just going to reboot this one character in the line. And it's it, it just doesn't seem very interesting to me. I agree. It seems like a cop out. Yeah. You know, you're taking the easy way out instead of trying to develop a character and, mm-hmm. and make something that's interesting. You're going to almost play it safe. And, yeah. you, you know, your, your fans of Captain America are still going to read the comics or, yep. or watch the movies, but they're going to be disappointed at some level, you know, that they mm-hmm. didn't get something better. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, stagnation is is causing, you know, the decline in people reading comic books nowadays because they're just not that interesting. You're not seeing new stories. You're just seeing regurgitations or, you know, this new this new twist on a character that's when I just now I'm thinking about it's like let's see a new superpower. Yeah. Like somebody was I mean obviously we've probably covered most superpowers that you could yeah. realistically have, right? But let's combine them in a new way or let's mm-hmm. do something fresh, you know? I mean, it doesn't always have to be somebody with super strength or someone that can fly or whatever, yeah. you know? But I mean, you can also combine superpowers. I mean, just look at uh, you know, Wolverine. Like he's an he's an interesting character because oh, yeah. of his character, but he also has some really cool superpowers. You know, he's got regeneration. Regeneration, he's got super strength, he's got, you know, his unbreakable bones now now that's a question i have actually um because we were we recently watched um first class mm-hmm. and uh and days of future past um and in that movie days of future past he still has his regular skeleton right he doesn't have the adamantium bones Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that one in a while. So, so in, from the comic books, is that is that how he's born with the skeleton? Yeah. No, it's it's like it's like in the first Logan movie where they he gets 
kidnapped basically and taken to Canada and for the Weapon X project. Right, but that's the comic book lore, right? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's so he that that Amantium is not really a super super no no it's something that was he was augmented with it. Okay, that's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure because I hadn't seen that in a long time. And that first Logan movie is questionable. So yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of directions they could go with a lot of this stuff. And I think we're, it's kind of interesting where we're at an interesting point in time because it's something's going to have to change. Yeah. And it's going to have to change soon. I just don't know how they keep this momentum, you know? Well, they've got to change, right? I mean, you're right. If they keep doing the same stuff, that momentum's gone. Yeah. If they change and, and make a bad decision or just take the easy way out, I think they lose that momentum. Yep. They need to have something fresh. Mm-hmm. And and that, I mean, that time is coming, right? Yeah. I mean. And I mean, does it even stay this whole superhero thing? You know, does it, does that maintain or do we start looking at um, trying to bring in. Like Xenos and stuff like that or. Well, I was just going to say like everyday everyday people that are in the world of superheroes. Well, did they like, kind of try and do that with like Agents of Shield and stuff? Yeah. That seems a lot better suited to me for like a a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess I, what, what am I going to watch? Alfred, a movie about Alfred and Well, no, but Clean in the Batcave. <laughs> but I mean, you know, some of that I mean, some of that would be kind of interesting. I mean, let's let's take Alfred for instance. Like, what does Alfred really do? I mean, we're not going to watch him clean the Batcave, but I mean, there's so much more that Alfred does do for Batman that we never see. Does you know, he's dry like, cleaning and <laughs> but, like he's he's always there for Batman and he knows most of the stuff that Batman I mean, knows. I think it, I think you get more of a Logan movie out of that, right. right? You don't get a it's not a superhero movie. Right. That but that's what I'm saying. Like is that what superhero movies start becoming later on because we run out of these epic good, stories. I think they're a good ancillary. Yeah. Like you know, maybe instead of trying to pump out five, six superhero movies a year or every mm-hmm. two years, you know, maybe you do two or three with the epic stories and then you can explore some of these other characters right. and give them more of a human element. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always have to be an action movie. Like you said, what what happens to Captain America when he's not fighting, you know, to save the earth? Yeah. Like, what are the things he's going through on a personal level? Mm-hmm. You know, those stories could be very interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, as long as they put the time into it and it's they're not just trying to make another drama. You know, they've yeah. really got to look at what would a superhero struggle with outside of dealing with. Like, do they have PTSD? Do they have, um, you know, relationship problems? Sure. Even just, you know, you know I mean, think shit if a. Uh, if you think it's bad when an actor gets paparazzi, right? What if you're right. the guy that's saving the freaking world? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they explore a little bit of that in DC with some of the super Superman stuff, yeah. right? Like the and oh, in Watchmen, they kind of went into some of that too, which was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot they could explore, but I don't think that will ever take the place. No, and it shouldn't. Yeah, but but it's, it's something good, that they would probably add. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a good thing to run alongside for mm-hmm. sure. And maybe break up the need for all that other content. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Um, I mean, you know, eventually people are going to start getting fatigued of all of the action. I mean, that, you know, that kind of happened in the early 2000s. You know, you had the 90s where it was all these crazy action movies. And then you hit like the 2000s and you started seeing a lot more really good drama movies. Um, You know, you started seeing characters that weren't as over the top. Um, And then now, you know, that you know, we hit that crest and now we're going back into like all these action movies. And then now we're adding humor to the action movies, which, you know, there wasn't, you know, you might have like a funny line or something like that. And, say and they're Predator. always funny. And I was say they're funny in retrospect. Yeah. If it bleeds, we can kill it. I mean, right. you know, that's not, you're watching the movie in the eighties. That's not like, Oh, that's funny. Yeah. You know, but it's one of those things like now it's funny. Yeah. It was so corny that it's yeah. like, <laughs> but, but in there, there it's all, it's all again, it's always in retrospect. That probably wasn't corny. In the 80s when that right. movie was serious, mm-hmm. you know, but now it's like, oh, yeah, it was kind of stupid. Yeah. You know, but um, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't know what direction they continue to go. I mean, I don't think the action's going anywhere. No. I mean, but I, I think with, it'll ebb and flow, though, like how much action they actually fit in those movies. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we're on the downswing a little bit with mm-hmm. that because... You know, at first it was picking up a little bit, like with Transformers and Michael Bay's CG. Basically, it's it's all based around the CG, right? Right. So that got so good to the point where it's like, shit, we can make these giant robots fight for two yeah. hours, and it looks good. Yeah. Um, and then so, and then you, and then you get to the point where it's like, hey, we can give these guys superpowers, and like Thor can shoot lightning out of his hammer, yeah. and like it's going to look good. Now they can do anything. <laughs> and then we're to the point where we can make Thanos CG, and he's going to look good. Right. So you get to this point where it's like. You know, you're exploring that in the, in the in the 2000s, like that action's coming back because like, look at all this stuff we can do yeah. with CG, right? And mm-hmm. now it's like you've kind of crested that, and it's like okay, we can do that, but now what? Yeah, um, I don't think it's going anywhere though. I think I think the action is going to stay. I don't I don't see us going into like a drama bit. Yeah, again. I mean, I hope not because I like action movies more than I like drama yeah. movies, but. But I mean, you just—I think that you do kind of see that over the years, where you'll have a couple years. But then again, Disney wasn't doing what they're doing now back then either. So, I mean, that could be another big red herring and all of it. You know, that whole thing that Disney just keeps pumping out funny action movies, <laughs> and that's fine. If you know, I'm, I'm always a big if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. You know, as long as it's not repetitive, mm-hmm. and you're you're finding some way to add some dimension to it, whether that's a new original character. Or whether that you're also putting a different, like more serious, serious character exploration movie alongside it. Right. Um, you're adding some other dimension to it, except for oh, it's another two hours of uh, funny jokes and the Hulk smashing stuff. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like I said earlier with uh, Thanos, they finally they finally found a super villain that worked, <laughs> and so. I'm, I'm actually not wearing my really, Thanos shirt. Yeah. I'm really, yesterday. I'm really interested in seeing what they start doing with with supervillains because I mean he's he's got to be the most successful supervillain of all time. Like it just like there's no other supervillain that I can think of that I would even put anywhere near as interesting as he is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, in in theater. Yeah, yeah. Let's think. What if we? I mean, in Iron Man, none of the villains really stand out. And Thor, you had Hela. Yeah, but I mean, was she really even interesting, or was she? No, just, she was just like had. Oh, she was just OP. Yeah, right? I mean, exactly. She was just too too powerful. Um, Ultron, I don't think was nearly as interesting. No, he was just really powerful, and I mean, he had a couple parts where Loki you know, maybe in the stuff. first Avengers. 
Yeah. Because he's stuck around, right? So yeah. that means that's got to count, you know. But was he really good or was he just really annoying? <laughs> yeah. Know? It's kind of like, I mean, he's the trickster. But and that, I mean, that fits. I mean, he might be annoying, but yeah. that's... In him, I mean, it does fit his good. character, yeah. but... Um, but I mean, it shows that they're progressing with their ability to create good supervillains. Because if you look at all of the X Men villains, like other than Magneto, are there any that are even memorable? I will at all? say, I will say. And speaking of Magneto, after having gone back and watched um, First Class and Days of Future Past, that Magneto is fucking fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he is. But I mean. Is he a supervillain at that point, really? You know what I mean? Like, he's not... I mean, in Days of Future Past, he flies the uh, freaking yeah, I for, I forgot. Stadium. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I forgot. <laughs> a I did forget about that. I mean, he was he was definitely getting more interesting in that. But then again, I, I still just don't put him anywhere near Thanos. Because, I mean, I forgot that he even did that in that movie. So, yeah. you know, it's like... Well, maybe that's because the movies themselves aren't that good. Yeah, but that could I, be. go back and watch them again. I really do think he's got a lot of depth as a character. Yeah. Because you get to see him in, in First Class, where he's, like, on the fence, right? Like, mm -hmm. he's gone through a traumatizing childhood, and he finally finds people that are mutants that he can relate to. Right. And he's, like, trying... He's sort of being the good guy, but then when it comes down to it, he's like... No, we're still a superior race. Like right. I'm gonna, we're gonna take over. You know. Yeah. Um, and then, in you know, uh, days of future past. I mean, that transformation is complete. Right. Yeah, I did. And I then did there's that dynamic between that. him and Charles, where Charles is still trying to, you know, yeah, he still has faith in him, right? That he can be, you know, a good person. Uh huh. He's wrong, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I can't. I mean, can't say I blame the guy. If I could manipulate the world around me like he does it'd be kind of hard not to be like oh yeah all your rules are stupid and yeah i'm gonna do what i want yeah. <laughs> i can't i can't argue with that um but yeah um that was I, that was a really good discussion i'm glad we got to talk about that because i think it's um you know probably i would I, to be honest the superhero thing is like the centerpiece of nerd culture it really is and it I mean, has been for the last couple of years yeah and i don't see that changing i mean the biggest convention of the world is san diego comic-con and i mean that's i will say that's branched quite a bit from comics though yeah it's just all things nerd right. it's just it's still called but it's still centered around you know the superhero i mean that's like the big draw for for the average person but yeah they, i mean they've gone out into anime and just anything pop culture now yeah but i mean it all started with because i remember 10 years ago i mean that was it was comics yeah like it was all superhero stuff mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean in a, i guess um do you think that we'll see nerd culture shift away from that superhero stuff and start exploring other aspects oh absolutely because I mean, anime is already doing that. Yeah, right? I, mean, I mean, all of nerddom is just getting more popular. You know, I mean, anything that makes you different that you used to hide before is becoming more, you know, more mainstream. You know, people are, are more accepting of of everything. I mean, yeah. just look at, I mean, you know, say 20 years ago with tattoos. You know, I mean, it's not really nerddom, but, you know, they're so much more acceptable nowadays. Yeah, I, I actually mean, saw anything, a study that said that they're no longer affecting your wages in the workplace. Right. I mean, you know, anything these days that used to be kind of uh, taboo, taboo yeah. um, that, you know, that's, well, I don't want to use the word morally right or anything, but just that that's not like 
a bad thing, you know, like hurting people or anything like that. Um, you know, it's just becoming much more popular and much more acceptable for people to just be like, well, this is what I do. You know, like, let, let's look at Magic the Gathering, you know, 10, 10 years ago, if you told somebody that you played Magic the Gathering, like you were the dorkiest of dorks. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you, and there, you know, I don't feel that way. I'm just saying that that's what other people would have felt. Cause I've been playing magic forever as we, yeah, <laughs> as we, we know, said yeah. before. But, uh, you know, nowadays, like, I don't know many people that don't know what magic is. And there's people that are willing to try magic. You that would know, never would have, that never would have tried magic 10 years ago. I mean, I would say I would almost get magic. It was probably the, the biggest niche for oh you're a super nerd yeah but i would even go so so far to say any trading card game yeah kind of fell under that umbrella of yeah. what are you you're 15 why are you collecting cards right. and playing card games that's for kids right you know um and even and like you said that's becoming card games are w- more popular whether it's yeah. magic or pokemon or, or whatever um yeah because even when i was a kid i remember the pokemon trading card game being like like outside of the first year that Pokemon came out, where it was like the the rage, right? Mm-hmm. And even then, the, the attention was really focused on the video game, at least in my yeah. circles. And we, you know, I had some friends that collected the cards, but if you played that card game two or three years after that, and like okay. you were like, well, you're weird. Like, why are you playing Pokemon still? Right. Why are you playing a card game? Yeah. You know. Whereas if you were playing the, the Pokemon video game, it was like, oh, he's playing Pokemon, no big deal. Yeah. And it's, it's for whatever reason something about card games, man, or even just really. Um, tabletop games in general even mm-hmm. board games i th- you know you have like monopoly and sorry and life that are like family games right. but any other game yeah i mean board games are actually i th- i think i saw a statistic uh, recently that they they're selling like if you don't even look at monopoly and those kinds of games like board games are selling better than they have in like the last 20 years starting maybe like 3 or 4 years ago you know, people are just there's so many new ideas with like Kickstarter and whatnot, and there there's all these games like you know Cards Against Humanity, yeah, um, you know that are that are bringing people together and playing these games that they normally wouldn't. I mean, you know how many you know how many you know drinking games that people come up with, and then they've never really made any money, and then all of a sudden you got like Cards Against Humanity that's making millions of dollars And they every started year. as like nothing, man. They were just right. like printing cards and cutting them out and shipping them to people. I mean, I don't... Like, they have, they have made making money so ridiculous that I, I just... I can't even imagine. Did, did you know what their um, Black Friday deal was like two or three years ago? No. So they had a deal where they literally sold cow shit <laughs> and they were very honest on the on the thing like this is cow you shit. are they, we're not sending you anything else but a, a cow turd you know and it was like we're not we're not putting any extra cards in there and they sold these i mean it was like you know it was in a little it was in a nice little box but i can't remember how much it was i want to say it was like 20 bucks and they sold thirty thousand of these <laughs> for 20 bucks a pop and, you know, of course, people got them and they were like super disappointed. You know, not everybody, but the people that were expecting them to like have like a card like hidden in the poop or like underneath, yeah. you know, they get something special. And it's like, no, like it's straight up said it's not going to have anything. Right. In there. Yeah. And and it's it's just insane to me. And that's today. That's acceptable. If you did that 20 years ago, you wouldn't have a company anymore. Well, I think that's just, you know, 
again, nerd culture in general, where, where you're not necessarily some of these companies, software companies included, you know, video game companies are, are a lot like that, especially smaller developers. And because mm-hmm. um, you have people like you and me running them. Yeah. We're, you were not some, you know, corporate business guy that's all necessarily 100% concerned about the bottom line. Mm-hmm. We're making a product we enjoy. I think that, that's the that most we, important part is these guys that are making these games love the games. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's, it's blatantly obvious to tell the difference, right? Right. When you have a company producing anything that's like, this is about the bottom line. I don't care if you like it. Mm-hmm. I don't care what your input is. I don't really care about it. I'm going to go home and, and uh, go spend a weekend on my yacht. Right. And because you paid me way too much money for this. Yeah. And versus some the, a guy like it's like, hey. I, I like this. I'm selling you this because I built this game and I like it and I play right. it and I care about it. And I think it's funny that I could sell you cow shit. Yeah. Like, and I'm, so I'm going to sell you cow shit. And I mean, even some of the big companies are finally starting to get on board with accepting that the customer is the most important part of these things. Like, look at Games Workshop, for instance. Anybody yeah. that hasn't played a Games Workshop game in the last, like, two years... Like and and you're still upset about Games Workshop games for some reason or another. And Games Workshop is the ones that make Warhammer and Warhammer 40k, and they make a, a ton of other little games. But you know, if if you're listening to this and you have sworn off Games Workshop, like it's time to give them another try because yeah. they are all about the community. Like they even have a page that's called the Warhammer Community, and they post they answer people's questions on there. They take that feedback. They um, change the rules of the game based on that feedback and, and uh, their own play testing of the things. Um, all these specialist games that we've been begging for for the last 20 something years are finally coming back. Yeah. Um, you know, like Necromunda. I mean, I haven't played that game since like 1996 and they just came out with it last year. And, uh, you know, I love the game. Um you know, and they've changed the game just enough that it's it's not it's fresh. The old rules, right? And and it's it's fun and and it's entertaining. And they're even updating those rules as they go because you know they games evolve, right? Yeah, I mean exactly. Yeah. Um, so you're starting to see that from the big companies because they're seeing these little companies that actually interact with their people are doing so good, right? That they have no choice but to start doing that. Yeah, and so to, to, to speak, I'll tell a funny story, not to interrupt too much on that, because we want to talk about some Games Workshop stuff anyway, so I want to use that as a segue. But um, on the other hand, you have companies like EA, mm-hmm. who are horrible about that, right? Yeah, They're going to make money. That's their goal. Yeah. They don't care if you like their games. They know you're going to buy their games because they're licensing big titles like mm-hmm. Star Wars. You're going to buy that. You're a Star Wars fan. You're buying Battlefront, no matter what the hell's in that game. Right. And they could care less, right? Um, but I recently saw, uh, yesterday, I was reading on Reddit, and apparently there was a Reddit user who um, got locked out of his EA account, and it got deleted. Oh. And he's, like, trying to reach out to support, like, hey, I've got all my games. Like, I can't get any of it. You're telling my, like, it's telling me, telling me my account doesn't exist. I don't know what happened. Um, and basically the support guys were like, sorry, there's no record of your account. And he's like, I have like the transaction receipts, right? I still have the credit card. I can show you the statements. It says like EA, whatever, here's the you know amount of money. I'm sure there's some emails that he's gotten. And, you know, he's like, I have proof that like I own these things. And wow. And they were just like blowing them off. Like, yeah, I don't, we can't find it. Sorry. There's wow. nothing we can do. 
Um, so again, but this goes back to, to nerd culture and, and even social media and how powerful these things are, right? Is it made it to the front page of Reddit. Similar to when Battlefront came out and people were so pissed about the uh, the pay-to-win mm-hmm. loot crates. Yep. That did not get attention until like it was the top post on Reddit. Yeah. And at that point, it's like, uh, we should probably pay attention. Yeah. So I think that's great, right? To worry, about. but but that's the same thing is um, you have some of these companies that are willing to listen. Like we want your feedback, no matter how small your feedback is, no matter if you've bought one games workshop game or you've been playing games to workshop stuff like for twenty years, like you have. Yeah. We still want to hear your input, and if you have a problem, like we want to we want to help, right? Absolutely. Um, and then you have companies like EA that's like, yeah, I don't really care mm-hmm. until you stir up a big enough shit that you have one of the biggest social media sites in the world plastering your your dirty laundry right, right? and then and then all of a sudden you can send one of your community managers to look into it yeah to be fair games workshop was like that maybe, and, and yeah, maybe but, 3 but years we're ago. changing right yeah, that's my point absolutely. right and, and, and i think stuff like ea being on the forefront like is teaching companies like we should probably listen to our consumers mm-hmm. because these guys constantly look like assholes because of the way they're treating their customers yep and it's going to come to light one way or the other, right? And I haven't bought an EA game in two years, and I'm hard-pressed to buy one now. Yeah. Because I mean, of that stuff, right? Yeah. Um, so you got, you got to take care of your people. You got to make people feel like like i mean these days you can't just you can't just throw out a product you gotta you gotta give people a reason to keep coming back to your company well because there's so many other options right yeah there's i don't need to play ea games because guess what there's plenty of other games right and no they may not be licensed star wars games which is unfortunate but again that's one of those things that they to be honest they stand a risk to lose Mm -hmm. like how many times are you gonna fuck this up for i mean disney's not gonna especially battlefront i mean like I mean, didn't Disney come out and make them? Yeah, pretty much change that the whole because certain countries around the world were saying, "Yeah, you can't. We're not even gonna let you sell this." Yeah, because this is considered gambling, mm-hmm. and that's illegal in our country. Yeah, um, to to gamble in that manner. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think you can only do that so many times before you just again you're gonna lose more customers than you gain. Yeah, I think I remembered seeing. Um, I think it was a Reddit post actually about the those those pay to win transactions and how much you actually had to pay to unlock everything. Several thousand dollars. It man. was several thousand dollars, or you know, like like hundreds and hundreds of hours. You know, I mean, it might have even been thousands of hours of playing the game on time. You know, yeah, it was, I, mean, I mean, it was just an insane number of days to be able to to unlock everything in the game that you've already paid for. You know that just that just doesn't make any sense to me. I agree, man. You know, um, but yeah. But so, anyways, I didn't mean to take us off topic, no. but that was something that was extremely relevant because you're saying Games Workshop's doing all these things right, and, and at the same time, we have companies like EA doing it all wrong. Yeah, and I think we're going to see a shift in the next couple of years to where that's a lot less prominent. I hope where you so. have these big companies just that, uh, we've got the market cornered, we've got enough capital into it to where we control the market, right? And we're going to do what we want. Yeah, I mean, you actually see that. I mean, you're starting to see that everywhere. Um, I mean, we got, you know, we were here in Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, there are three Walmarts just closed down in Louisville. And I think, a, like, one of the Sam's Clubs, I guess, in the area is supposed to be closing down. Really? And, and some of the, the, the uh, Walmart marketplaces are closing down. And you're start. I mean, Louisville is, you know, might be different from your city, but we're having this trend of, of local 
you know, there, you know, buy local is, is a sign that you see on many doors um, around Louisville. Good. And, uh, you know, they're trying to bring back all of these small mom, mom and pop shops and trying to bring back, um, you know, um, uh, different restaurants that are, right, that are owned right. by local people. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're you're seeing a lot of those restaurants kind of go away. I mean, you you kind of see some of the more. I mean, the Louisville's a bad end. example. We have the highest like uh, restaurant for or food business per capita yeah. anywhere in the country. I yeah. think so. Bad example of the food, but right. I but I mean, I'm just saying. Different. But but you're starting to see this trend from going away from these big corporations yep. and people wanting to support the people around them. And I think that that that's a really important thing because I think what you saw was you know. 10 years ago or whenever that started just like ballooning, like these big corporations started ballooning and taking everything over was everyone was worried about the, the, the money, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Walmart's 10% cheaper, yeah. but then you realize you get shit service and nobody at Walmart cares. Right. And you get t-shirts that fall apart, you know? <laughs> yeah. You don't get quality. Pro- I mean, there's yeah. a reason it's cheaper, right? Yeah. It, it, trust me. Cost isn't just thrown in for no reason. Mm-hmm. So if they're, if they're removing costs, they're taking something out, whether that's right. an immediately perceived benefit to you or not. So whether that's um, paying enough attendance in the store to, to help you if you have a question. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times you've walked around. I mean, how many times you walk around a Best Buy or a, a Walmart or something like that, and like you, need, you have a question, yeah. and you just can't find anybody yeah. because they're not paying enough people to be on the floor to help you. Exactly. But go, go into a small store. And there's plenty of people, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I can always find some help at right. those local places. Um, so again, whether it's a perceived immediately perceived benefit or not, there, there is a reason for that cost that exists. And, and to me, it's usually worth the money. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I mean, just think about how much money that these companies are paying, um, people to do their customer service over the phone, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, like the, and their the, customer service is awful. Yeah. Like the EA guy. I mean, that's yeah. the, right. I mean, they were just like, yeah, man, I can't find your account. Sorry. Right. Whereas if you go to a local store, you know, you've got a guy that's right there in your face. Yeah, that if you were, he if he you might were, be the owner of the yeah, store. I mean, like a Cardinal, right. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking to, if you have an issue with something that happened there, I mean, you're going to be talking with one of the owners yeah. and they're going to do whatever they can to make, you know, within reason, Mm-hmm. To make sure that you leave with a good taste in your mouth. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, I think there's a lot of benefit to that. And I'm glad to see that trend. And especially, um, you know, with nerd culture, it kind of at the forefront of that, I feel like. Because we're championing the, the, the social media and the and the, um, the whole internet, you know, the, the communication part of it, the visibility part of it. Um, you know, I feel like the, the nerd culture is kind of at the forefront of that. Yeah, nerds want to be heard these days. Yeah. They're very vocal. That's right. If they don't like something. They'll definitely let you know. So, um, but you you were talking about games workshop stuff, and and uh, that's something you wanted to touch on to today too, because we've talked about Warhammer a little bit on some of the past shows, and um, it's probably a little bit of a uh, intimidating topic for a lot of people, right? Yeah, I mean, if you've never played Warhammer and you just go in and look at a store, that you know there's not really much coherency that you see, you know, on a lot of the shelves on what, you know, what you might want to buy and where you want to start. Um, there's a lot of different armies to choose from. There's two different main games. You got age of Sigmar, you got Warhammer, and then they have all their specialist games, but those are the two big ones that you're going to see. And that's, you know, you might be able to get a friend in on playing one of the specialist games and then you kind of convert them over to Warhammer or something like that. But a lot of people, what they see is they see a six foot by four foot table with some terrain on it and some awesome painted miniatures. And they're like, I want to do that. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but that's a process. That's no, the, it it is a process. Um, you know, and and that process starts with figuring out what army that you want to. Or where, play where with. do you even start in yeah. general, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you know, because that's one of the things that I've never. I've played um, the Lord of the Rings Games Workshop game, which came out whenever the Two Towers came out. I think I don't think there was a game before that. If it was, it was very small. It was when yeah. it got popular, anyways. Mm-hmm. Was with the Two Towers, um, and. You know, you bought the starter kit or whatever, and that had the rule book and all that stuff in mm-hmm. it. But when you're looking at um, some of these Warhammer games now, you know, you can buy a starter set that's got the rule book in it. Yeah. But, you know, when you're talking about choosing an army, that's very difficult, in my opinion, because the rules for each army are different. Oh, yeah. And each army has their own rule book mm-hmm. um, to, to, to describe the, the rules of each unit and things like that and special um, special abilities they might have, um, depending on how the army is constructed and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not something that's necessarily easy to find. No, it's not. And they're trying to make it easier. They're trying to they're trying to make stuff um, more new user friendly. You know, obviously right. they want to grow the game, and the only way you're really going to grow the game is by getting more people to play the game. Well, and it's got such a high barrier of entry, right? I mean, it's like, um, yeah, sure, everybody loves to go race Porsches around the track, but. That's a very expensive thing to do. It's a very yeah. difficult thing to do. It's a very time-consuming thing to do. Mm-hmm. So you don't have a lot of people doing it because it's tough to start, right? right? So how do you take something like like Warhammer and make it easier for somebody to start? Right. And, uh, you know, one of the things that they started adding were these, um, you know, I think they're called get started boxes or whatever. Okay. And so usually they'll come with like a, like a headquarters unit, you know, like a leader of some sort. They come with like a a line infantry guy, you know, like a space Marine or an Imperial guard or, you know, a unit of space Marines, unit of Imperial guardsmen or, um, you know, a unit of skeleton warriors if you're playing Age of Sigmar or something like that. And then they'll come with like a little bit more elite unit or something. So you might have like some cavalry or you might have um, some motorcycles or you might have some Terminators, which are like big, bulky space marines. Um, and so they've added those and they're actually a really good value um, for what you get compared to just buying, buying those separately. Yeah. So what uh what I like to do um you know when I figure out what army I'm going to play and we'll kind of get into how you figure out what army that you're going to play but I'll buy like 3 or 4 of those boxes and then you have a really good basis for your army or if you're lucky and you pick the army that's in uh, the starter box that comes with the rules it'll come with two armies in it right because so you, like, you can play with a friend with yeah that, right? absolutely i mean, that's, I mean that's, the whole that's, point. that's that's exactly what you want to do is talk a friend into playing because it makes it so much cheaper um <laughs> if, if you buy like let's let's talk about age of sigmar they've got this box called soul wars and that's the new edition of the game um so that comes with your 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 sigmarines or your your um and it comes with night haunts um so what i did was i bought one copy of it and then i basically traded the other half of it for another copy of the night haunts so now i've got two sets of the night haunts and somebody else has two sets two, somebody has two sets of stormcast turtles and it's actually a decent size army it was it was about a thousand points um which is a it, you know a typical game, game is about two thousand points so you're about halfway there already but you can play a thousand points and yeah, it's, it's so, still fun so points guys i don't know if we mentioned this last time i think we did but just to clarify again points are or kind of the value of each unit. So mm-hmm. you've got some big, crazy, strong unit. He's going to be worth more points than like your yeah. little infantry guy. And, and you size the game is based on points. So obviously, the big, the more points 
um, the game is the more units you have, the more mm-hmm. powerful your army is, kind of yep. thing. So you can play. I mean, you could play a five hundred point game if you wanted. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you just kind of scale the game to that points cost, mm-hmm. and, and and really it ensures, or doesn't ensure, but it um, helps ensure that everybody's kind of on the level playing field, right? right. To a certain degree. Um, so yeah, you, so you you basically traded with somebody to to kind of double your your box and you right. got a little decent star army there. exactly and and then with that set you get the rule book um you get the core book which is not technically the rule book because age of sigmar actually only has like 18 pages of rules they've really simplified it down but the core book has like your backstory on what exactly is going on um it'll have like scenarios yeah. um which which will really make the 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 game fun because it gives you different missions instead yeah, of it's you not just, just kill everybody yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's fun. You know, you, you want the occasional mission where it's like, all right, we're just going to try to trounce each other. But having objectives and, you know, adding some of that cinematic um, narrative to the game is kind of fun. You know, like we're fighting over, let's say, uh, a portal to the next realm. And, like, my whole job in this battle is to keep you from going through that portal, you know. And that it adds a little bit more, kind of brings you into the game more. Right. Um, so there would be different missions like that in the in the game. Yeah, and one of the things, um, guys, if you're not familiar with Warhammer at all, um, one of the things that I personally like about it is that it's not just a game. Like it is like you could play it as just a game with the rules and different mm-hmm. units have different abilities and whatever. But um, there's a really rich backstory. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and they do a really good job of building a cool universe to play in with named, you know, you, their characters have names and um, and, you know, they're. I think uh, the 40K books, uh, the back, the main backstory, the Horus Heresy, mm-hmm. are like New York Times bestseller books, yeah. guys. So it's not like this is some shitty, like someone scribbled on, on in, a, in, a, in a bar on the back of a napkin, like, oh, well, these guys do this and this, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is like a really well thought out, um, kind of, you know, we're talking about superhero movies and, and quality like Marvel. I mean, it's every bit as good as stuff like that yeah. or, or any of the anime you would watch. I mean, it's, it's really quality story, a quality world. Um, so they do a really good job of adding that narrative element to it. So it's not just, okay, we're going to play down, like sit down and I'm going to try and kill all your guys, or right. I'm going to try and capture this objective yeah. or whatever. There's, you know, um, a lot of the people that I see really in the Warhammer um, are very passionate about the army that they have yeah. because they like the story. There's a narrative behind that army. There's a reason that they're going after this objective. There's a reason that we're fighting this battle, you right. know? Um, you know, the whole thing about Soul Wars is um, one of the big characters, his his name is Nagash. Um, he's he's a god, and he's fighting um, Sigmar, who is, you know, the god of um, the human, or the the Sigmarines. The, Stormcast Eternals. Stormcast Eternals. Now I couldn't think of it. <laughs> so, so they're kind of clashing because they're, you know, the backstory is is that they both want the souls from the dead so that they can bolster their armies and become more powerful. Um, and, you know, Nagash is kind of the bad guy. Uh, Sigmar is kind of the good guy. Um, and, you know, there's a reason that they're fighting each other. They're trying to get these souls back. There's a reason that they're going and, and, and fighting 
you know, the humans and the elves and all that kind of stuff is because they're they're not helping them meet their goals or they're interfering with those, those goals. So there there's a lot of story behind all that. Um, and I really hope that one day Disney buys the rights to that'd be really cool. <laughs> so we can have yeah. some of those movies because I mean they've tried to make some movies and they're not great. They're they're worth watching if you're just a huge fan of Warhammer or whatever. But uh, if you're an average Joe, you're probably not going to like them. But they look amazing. So really, yeah, they, they look they look pretty cool. There's there's one I think it's it might just be called Space Marine or or Ultramarine or something like that. Okay. Um, and it's not a great story, but if you just want to kind of see how a space marine interacts with other people, and you want to see like how agile and how how space marines fight, um, it's it's a it's worth watching. Okay, yeah, I've not, I've not I actually didn't know that. Yeah, so. and it adds a lot to it because um, one of the one of the things in it that's kind of interesting, and it might not be interesting to most people, but there's like a land speeder in it, which is kind of like the land speeder from, uh, let's say star Wars or whatever. It's basically just this little thing that kind of skims above the ground. And it's a tr- kind of a transport vehicle and the space Marine ones have guns on them, of course. Um, but, uh, when you, in the movie, you hear it running and it sounds like, it sounds like kind of like a, a diesel motor and it kind of sputters every once in yeah. a while. And it just kind of gives you that feel that like, this is not the most well-maintained vehicle out there. And that that's one of the things with, with 40K is is that they don't understand the technology well enough to be able to repair things into pristine order, um, you okay. know, because they lost a lot of that technology over time. Um, so it just kind of gives you, it kind of brings you into the, the universe a little bit more. Like, this is like real. It reminds real. me almost in, um, of Gears of War. It has, yeah. they kind of have the same mm-hmm. feel. That grit. Yeah, and even just the the Space Marines and and the guys in Gears of War, like they're the same. These yeah. big bulky armor and mm-hmm. these big powerful guns and yeah. and stuff like that. But um, now the the whole um, the lore to it is one of the reasons that I'm I'm really interested in it. Um, because that's you know like I mentioned before about movies like that world building that the the, mm-hmm. the rich backstories that's the stuff that I really like. Yeah, absolutely. And so you know, kind of going back to talking about picking an army, I think personally at least the new person that's getting into the game that the the aesthetics or the looks of the miniatures and the backstory should be what are the most important things for you in selecting an army yeah so so what i'm what i've done to to in the process of selecting an army is i pretty much looked at what chris is playing and i googled how to beat that (laughs) and then that's how i'm formulating my plan so that's as simple as it is for me. Um, no, I'm am just kidding. Um, I do think there is something to be said for understanding your play group, though. Yeah. Um, because you don't want to be either severely over or underpowered. Yeah. Yeah. Because the whole point is it's it's supposed to be fun. Unless you intend to, you know, I guess say unless you if you intend to get into this from a competitive aspect, you probably don't need our advice anyways. No. Um, Not at all. But if it's <laughs> you're something listening that, to the wrong podcast yeah, about Warhammer, yeah. if you're, if you're trying to be a competitive player. Um, but if it's something that you just want to do for fun, you have some friends that play, or you want to get your friends to play, or whatever, um, you know, just figure out how good everybody is, because mm-hmm. you don't want to be the guy that goes in and stomps everybody. No. Um, but you also don't want to be the person that gets stomped every time if your friends are relatively experienced. You know, so you have to kind of pay attention to that a little bit, I think. I mean, you know, we kind of talked about this when we were talking about Commander and Magic. You've got that social contract. Like, you need to to think, okay, this is where we are, 
and do we want to do we want to stay at you know this level or do we all want to go up and try to buy the next big thing that makes my army more powerful and are we going to all have really powerful armies are we going to have kind of balanced armies um are we going to base our play off of narrative play like are we going to have a scenario where you might have 500 more points than me but because it fits the scenario we're going to play the scenario out and see how this battle uh for protecting you know like i said the 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 warp gate or something like that um works out you know or You've got 500 points, and I've got 1,000 points, but you have a castle to defend. You know, yeah, Helm's it's, Deep, right? Yeah. It's not, <laughs> it's not necessarily balanced, but because that's how you want to play, it's fun. You know, and that's part of the social contract. What do we want to get out of these games? Do we want... Do we want to get to that tournament level where we're taking the most powerful things and that's all that we care about is the most effective things for the missions that we expect to see? Right. Or do we want to just put our stuff on the table and see, you know, have fun with whatever we got, or do we want to look at narrative missions and that kind of thing? So like I said, and for me, I don't want to play tournaments anymore. So the narrative part is starting to become more important. So that's what I want to try to look at. Um, you know, and, and again, that's why I think that the aesthetics and the backstory of an army is really important because you need to be able to relate to that army and have some kind of, um, like feeling for that army you want you want to be able to when your buddies you know talking about how his orcs you know just want to crush all your stuff you know you want to have a, a retort to that you want to be like well well i i want to steal all of your souls you know for my right. army you know right. just that kind of stuff that gets you more into the game so that it's not just you guys sitting there rolling dice because that's really what the game comes down to is you guys are sitting there measuring you know some movement and and doing some shooting in here and there and and you're just rolling dice to figure out what happens is that's not nearly as fun you know as as if you can put some head fluff to it right exactly you know that's the thing for me is thinking um like what's from a creative perspective like what what does this really represent Mm -hmm. you know and they in fairness they do a really good job in the in the in the rule books of putting some flavor to it right It's, it's, it's not just oh he has this ability so roll three extra dice yeah it's called something specific Mm hmm that's rel- like that's related to his the type of unit he is or, or the, the backstory that he has. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a weapon, it might have a name or whatever. And then there's usually a little blurb, like about a flavor why text that, in yeah, there, right? Why it's that like thing is called that. Like so and so's blade is filled with the fury of all the souls that he's killed. So yeah. he gets so you know so if, whatever. I mean, there there's some canon or, or fluff to it. Mm-hmm. It's not just this guy has this ability. I get this statistic boost. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's a little fun, too. And um, even some of the, the preliminary things when I was trying to figure out what army I was going to play. You know, a lot of what I was thinking of, of even formulating the strategy for the army was based on, like, what would be cool if they did this. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily, you know, it, it happens. It's just so happened that that was also potentially a good tactical thing for yeah. the game, like the gameplay. But it was also like, man, this would be really cool if this happened. Right. You know, um, so so that's one of the things that, you know, I think Chris is right. You, you have to to enjoy it and, and want to play it for almost like a Dungeons and Dragons perspective yeah. where you're almost role playing as, as your army a little bit on top of just rolling dice. Right. Yeah. And then when you really start getting into the game and you start building your community, I mean, you can almost make it like a Dungeons and Dragons yeah. thing. Like now we've got a ca- actual campaign going on that your game is going to affect 
the rest of the campaign. So you've got like you've got order, you got destruction, you got death, you got chaos. Well, all four of those forces are smashing into each other. What does it do to the rest of the realms? You know, so you've got you've got your GM that's deciding, okay, well, undead has, you know, they overwhelmingly won all of their things. So now let's change the narrative to the undead are starting to take over. But how do we balance that? Like maybe because the undead are either a really good army or the best players are playing undead. Now let's start looking at ways that we can kind of hinder them just a little bit so that the game is still fun for the people that are, you know, getting behind or whatever. Or right. maybe maybe it's the other way around. Maybe they get more powerful because they've they've taken over these territories and now they get like another 100 points to their army or something like that or or they get like a special reroll here or there because they found some artifact. Right. You know, there's there's a lot of ways to make it into a story and more than just rolling dice. Yeah, no, it's, so that's one of the things that um it's really uh, that I like about it because it seems fun. Mm-hmm. But I, but I will say one of the things um, from the outside looking in is it's very intimidating to pick. Yeah. Simply because there are quite a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and because of the, just my personality and, and the way I've played games and, and I'm a competitive person. So, I, you know, while picking something that's visually pleasing and that I like their story is important. Um, I also want to make sure that I like the rules of the, the army yeah, that I'm playing. Absolutely. Right? Um, so that's, I mean, that's kind of the second criteria that I say that people should look at. So now say, say there's four armies that you've decided that you like. Well, now let's figure out, okay, these four armies look really cool. Now let's think, how would you like to play the game? Okay. You, maybe this army is just a brute force like orcs where they're just trying to come in and smash your face in. Right. That's all that they care about. And then you have, um, you know, an army like say undead where they're kind of, they're kind of flowing and they're able to like fly over things and they're, you know, they're kind of strong. Um, they're not very tough generally, but they're better at like capturing objectives and that kind of thing. Cause they can just fly over units and they can pass through things. Um, and they're faster, you know, than right. orcs would be. Um, and then say you have another army like the Sylvaneth, which are, you know, the, the tree people, and, uh, you know, they've got these, uh, you know, effects where you've got the, you know, the wild woods where and you can summon forest, creature. Basically. Yeah, they have these magical forests and they can do all kinds of things for the army. They can buff units. You can create units in them. You can move um, around in between you can, them. You move around in between them. You can sometimes move them around to, to, you know, hide an objective or something like that. You can make new ones around, you know, so they've got those interesting effects. And then you've got, like, say, um, the Stormcast Eternals which can do anything. I mean, that army has so many new models. I mean, you can really make that army into anything that you want, but it's going to be more expensive because you're buying all all these different options to be able to do anything you want, but maybe that's better for you because maybe you want options to be a brute force army or you want options to be like a fast cavalry army or you want options to be a really shooting army. Um, They have all that. So if you want to build this army over time and have this grand Sigmarine army... Maybe that's the best option for you. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, um, it's just that, you know, like I said, it's, it's such an an overwhelming um, decision to make. And, yeah. and it's because, for, for one, it's not just buying the army, right? Well, for one, let me take a step back. It's not just figuring out what you like. It's not cheap. So, to be no. frank, guys, it's not. this is not a, I spent 30 bucks on a, a deck of magic cards that, you know, Cardinal had sitting on the shelf. I mean, you're talking several hundred dollars mm-hmm. to, to be in the, the, the 
1500 to 2000 point right. range um and then it's a big time investment because guys all these things come um unassembled yeah. <laughs> um if you've ever built a model kit that's exactly what these look like mm-hmm. they come all the figures come on the sprues the plastic sprues you gotta cut them out you gotta glue them together you gotta put them on the bases and then they're unpainted so you yep. know if, if you want them painted you either have to do it yourself or you have to pay somebody else to do it mm-hmm. um so that's a, a lot to do this is not something that like and that's the other thing i'd say is if if um, if that's not something that interests you at all, unless you have the money to just pay someone else to do it for you, mm-hmm. it's probably a bad fit. Yeah. Um, but I mean, or you could just do, you know, like a smaller, like, it, you know, a smaller scale of the games. Like you, you don't start with Warhammer and then maybe you maybe start with like Necromunda or Blood Bowl, which oh, is yeah, kind of no, like a football that's game. That's fine. I'm saying more from the, if you, if you're not the hobby person. Yeah. It's unless, like I said, unless you have the the, the free money to just yeah. pay somebody to do it for you. Yeah, if you're never if you're never going to get into the hobby side, it's it's a lot harder to get into the game. You know, some people some people just put the models together and then spray them one color and then just use them like that. I don't advise doing that though. I did that for a long time because I just didn't. You know, I was going through nursing school and stuff like that. I just didn't have time to paint uh, my miniatures. Um, but like you said, I mean, you can have somebody else paint them for you. I mean, there's, I bet you, there are options. If there's you know. people playing in your town, I bet you there's somebody that people will recommend. Hey, you know, this guy will paint paint your army for, you know, X amount of dollars or whatever. And, yeah. Um. You know, I don't necessarily uh, say you should go that route. You should at least try and see if you enjoy. It. If you like, people, yeah. I'm just yeah. saying, if you're the person that mm-hmm. you've tried to build models before, you're, yeah. or you're not an artistic person, or right. whatever. It's a lot of undertaking. It's not something that you're going to pick up right away, probably. Mm-hmm. So um, have that going in. If 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 you do, if you're like, hey, man, I've always wanted to, to build and paint and do all that stuff, then it's perfect. Yeah. I just am forewarning somebody that's like, oh, yeah, this game sounds really cool. Yep. They look at the models. They seem really cool. And then they, like, open the box and they've got to, like, they've got 30 hours of work ahead of them. Yeah. You know, and there's, there's a big commitment on that point, too. So mm-hmm. just, just be aware. But, I mean, I think um, if you're the kind of person that likes the fluff, that likes that kind of stuff. I think you would enjoy also like building your army the way yeah. you want it to be built, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe you know maybe building some warband that you read about, you know, like specifically you know some leader that you remember hearing about, and then getting some of his lieutenants, and then you know you you just try to build the army based off of what you know the canon of that character would have been, right? Um, and trying to you know have fun playing games like that. I mean, there's just there's just so much creativity that comes out of Warhammer, and I think that that's what's had me playing it for 23 years now i mean there anything that you can imagine you can do in the game pretty much um if you and you know even if you say there's an army that you don't necessarily think is aesthetically pleasing but you do like kind of the the way that the game plays like you can convert models to make anything that you want i mean i've seen people make space marines that are that are actually rat people because they really <laughs> liked you know the skaven from from fantasy and they just like that look um and they want big you know monsters Rats. with with rat you know rat heads and you know <laughs> that kind of thing i mean you can do that you know so there there's so many different options and that's kind of more of an advanced thing i would probably wouldn't do that yeah first don't thing, do that that's yeah. a lot of work but but you can you can you can develop that creativity and focus it on 
on Warhammer. And I mean, even if you just like writing, if you like writing stories, you can write stories about your your uh, your armies and and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, there's actually one of the the campaigns that's going on here in Louisville. Um, one of the guys that's running it, he he gives you um, some extra advantage for writing a thousand word essay on your army and why they're they're taking part in this. So I mean that's that's just kind of neat. He wants he wants people to take more ownership of their army. Well, I think it's more fun that way, right? Yeah, it, it, they be, you 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 care more because mm-hmm. it's not just oh, I lost one of these units, right? You're fighting for something, like you said. There's yeah. there's a purpose you're there. Um, that guy has a mission. He has a goal, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just it's not it's almost like gives the game another dimension. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so um, so you've decided on the uh, the night haunts. Yeah. And are you going to be doing any other kind of mix in there? Is it um, so? Undead is like a a large group of different undead things. So Night Haunts is like one little faction. Right. You've got um, um, I think they're not flesh terrors or court of flesh or something like that they're like the zombies and like ghouls and that kind of thing and then you have like nagash's horde where he can use some of the things from everybody um and then you have um like the vampire counts which is like these vampires that are leading um different undead armies so they'll have uh, like skeleton warriors and whatnot and i don't know if that's still actually a faction as much or if it's kind of just fallen under nagash now it's so much has changed in the last two years right. it's kind of hard for me to keep up but so i want to do some of the nagash stuff i got I bought the miniature for nagash um so I, and i like the look of skeleton warriors and some of the skeleton knights um the there's a thing called the terror geist which is basically like this big bat zombie monster <laughs> um it looks really cool um so it's i want to try to incorporate dragon, it really yeah. is what it looks like to me well so there's so there's the terror the terror geist and then there's the zombie dragon they're, they're both the same kit but the head, the head is a little different. Oh, okay. So the zombie dragon head looks more like a, a dragon's head, whereas the terror guys has kind of like this bat-looking face. Okay. Um, but I mean, both versions look really cool. Um, so, you know, I want to kind of expand into that. Um, I'm trying not to go too hard in the paint right now because we're just now getting back into it. I don't want to overwhelm myself with just too many miniatures that yeah, I'll never. No, that's that's one of the I'll things never get around to painting at all. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I've got enough, I've got, I picked up some terrain too, that kind of has like that mausoleum, uh, graveyard feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I picked up like games workshop sells these trees. Um, and there, there's different ways you can put them together, like with leaves, without leaves. And, um, you can paint them any way you want. So I'm going to paint them like kind of dark and creepy. So it looks like, you know, you're fighting at night against, um, you know, my army. And I think, I think it'll look really cool. So. I've got I got a lot of ideas. Hopefully, I can bring them materialize all together. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's a lot of work. I mean, even um, you know the Necromunda stuff is shit. That's yeah. It's been I've been working on that for two weeks now, and I've got none of them done. So yeah. there's only six of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I mean I'm I'm looking forward to playing. I think it's um, it's something I've never gotten around to again because the hobby side of it is so. 
I guess I'm a completionist, so I don't. I'd hate to to play with an army that's not painted because mm-hmm. I feel like I've got still got work to do. Like right. it's not time to enjoy this yet. I still have work to do, yeah. kind of thing. Um, but I don't, you know, I and I understand why you feel that way. But I don't think that anybody new getting into it should feel that way. And I kind of I tell Corey this a lot. Like, you know, let's get it if if that's really important to you. Let's get it to a point where it's painted enough that you feel comfortable putting it on the table. But you don't have to have all the little all the little dirty details done. You know, you right. don't have to have every little chain link painted. You don't have to have, you know, every little yeah, detail. These on. guys, these models. <laughs> if you haven't seen these models, they are crazy detailed. Yeah. I mean, for something that's two inches tall. Yeah, they put. I mean, they put a lot into these. I mean, things. there's not a whole lot that you can't really see. Right. And, and I'll tell you, it is really intimidating too when you see some of the, either the the, the stuff they put on the Games Workshop website is like the the examples or mm-hmm. even just other people's work. Yeah. Um, and you're like, good lord! And because I promise, the first time you sit down to paint one, you're like, how the hell do I do that? Yeah. It. I mean, it takes a lot of time to to get to the point where you're painting at a level that you're going to be happy with. And even when you get there, you're going to be wanting to paint even more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, don't let that discourage you. If you want to, if you really want to get into Warhammer, um, don't let, don't let painting and all that discourage you. You, you can get there. There's different ways that you can paint models that, uh, that bring different results. Um, and all of them look good in my opinion. Um, you know, there's ways where you can just dry brush models. So it's basically, you get some, some paint on your paintbrush and then wipe most of it off and just kind of hit the details with it, it to highlight all the details and stuff. And a lot of people do that when they're newer. Um, and it, it makes really good results. Um, you can do like the GW way, um, where, you do like a, a base color and then you do a shade and then you do a highlight on that. And, uh, you know, they're trying to do more of that on their box art. Um, yeah. So and it's tell more you, when relatable. I, when I bought the Age of Sigmar starter two years ago and I started painting my Stormcast Eternal, I mean, the the tutorial that they had on the Internet was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it walked you through every single paint you needed. Mm-hmm. It walked you through. I don't remember if it. I don't think it walked you through assembly, but that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I mean the books have that. So. Yeah. Um. So, but I mean, it was every from start to finish, primer them. You know, here here's what we're going to paint first. We're going to paint this color on all these parts. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to put this color on these parts, and yep. then we're gonna we're gonna do this wash, and then we're gonna. You know, I mean, it was like yeah. You know, as long as you had decent patience and, and decent brush dexterity at the end of it, I mean, they came out looking really good. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if you already have an established Warhammer community around you, I mean, I guarantee those guys are, are more than happy to help you help share ideas on how they painted their things. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, if you've got a local game store, you can go up there and look at some of the other people's armies and just say, "Hey, you know, how did you get this technique?" They'll share it, and it's usually easier than you think. Than you think. Yeah, the, the hardest part for me at this point is just brush control. I mean, that's yeah. that's the hardest part is you're trying to, you know, um, the techniques are usually relatively straightforward. Mm-hmm. It's just you're you're using it's very precision, right? Right. Like you're using a, a brush to paint a very small area. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be pretty accurate. I mean, you know, Chris was talking chain links and stuff. I mean, these details might be a millimeter yeah. on the model itself. And you've got to make sure you're getting paint on that specific millimeter and on right. nothing else around it. Yeah. And that's the difficult part. And that just is practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's no other two ways around it. Just like anything else that involves dexterity or motor control, you're going to have to practice it to get it. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the community is one of those things, um, just like we've talked about with Magic, too. You know, anybody that's into these hobbies that plays a game like this, um, 
they see the value in other people also playing their game. Absolutely, yeah. Because if you know, if me and Chris and two of our friends are the only ones we know that play Warhammer, like that's fun. But eventually, like, how many different ways can we play each other? Mm-hmm. So we, you know, I know Chris's army inside and out. I know our other two buddies' armies inside and out. They know exactly what I'm going to try and do. Mm-hmm. Like, it gets stale a little bit. But then when you add another person into the mix. They may bring a new army that you've never played before. Hell, they may bring the same army that somebody else is playing, but they play it a completely different way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you add that whole, and, and they're just a different player themselves. So they play, you know, they have their own strategies and all these sorts of things. So um, I think, you know, any any of these hobbies that I've ever gotten into, like I said, where there's Warhammer Magic, whatever it is, um, the community is really tight-knit. And as soon as you express interest in... Yeah, I'm thinking about doing this. You know, they're all like, well, let me know how I can help or if you have any questions, you know, because they want to see you get into it because it it, it enriches their experience. Exactly. And, you know, um, we, you know, we go up to Cardinal every Monday, you know, to play to play magic. But, uh, you know, if we got enough people that were interested in playing like Warhammer, we we could also play Warhammer or even if we weren't playing you know, there's there's a lot of other people. I haven't been to Cardinal one time and not seen somebody playing Age of Sigmar. So, you know, that's really encouraging for that scene. I mean, like last Monday, I think there were like four people playing. Yep. Um, Friday, or I'm sorry, yesterday, which was Saturday, um, we had, I think, like eight people playing Age of Sigmar. And then there were a couple of people playing some other miniature games. Um, so, you know, we can we can do any of these games with you guys, too. I mean, we want to we want to build the community. So, you know, just like you said, we have a lot of people that are that are playing the games with us and we have a more um, enriching community by having more people. Yep. I mean, the more perspectives that you have on lore and on painting and on playing the yeah, game. You stand more to gain. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and again, you just got to have that social contract with everybody. Like, you know, we don't have to always play the same way. We don't always have to play narrative. We don't always have to play competitive. But let's talk about, like, how we see the game going, um, you know, at least today. What do you, what do you want to do? Do you want to play a competitive game? Do you want to play a narrative game? Or do you just want to throw some dice on the table and, and see where we go from there, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and there's nothing wrong with any and of those I think those there ways. are options to roll for all this kind of stuff, yeah, too, absolutely. right? Where you can, mm-hmm. if you don't know what you want to do, you can roll a dice. And in the in the book, it says, if you roll a one, one or two, play this way. If you roll yep. three or four, play this way. If you roll a five or six, play this way. Exactly. Um, and even just with different scenarios, I mean, you can literally roll for about anything associated with this game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, if it gets to the point where we have enough people that are interested in playing, I mean, you know, we're up at Cardinal on Mondays. Like you said, maybe we could do Magic every other week and Warhammer every other yep. week. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Um, it just depends on, you know, if there's demand, we'll do it. So, um yeah, so is there anything else before we before we close up that you want to touch on with Warhammer and building an army or, or picking one? No. Um if you're well, if you're interested in, in playing, there's a lot of YouTube videos yeah. on on the different armies. Um, you know, go to the Games Workshop website. It's a little bit of a janky website. It it takes a minute to get used to. It's okay? decent once you figure but it out. But once you figure it out, it's not that bad. Um you just gotta remember to click and unclick things. Otherwise yeah. you get like way too many options to look at. But take a look at some of those armies or talk to somebody. Talk to me, talk to Corey, yep. talk to somebody that you see playing Warhammer and say, Hey, this is kind of what I'm interested in. 
what do you think I should look at? Um, and that'll give you at least some guidance on, on where you can go. And then, you know, if you look online um, and you find out that, uh, that that is what you're, you're interested in, then you can talk to some of those people again or look at YouTube or whatever and find out, well, where do I start? Um, and yeah. the Get Starting Boxes are a great place to start or the this actual Game Starter Box is a good place to start. Um, or you can just ask your local game shop, you know, hey, you know, I'm interested in playing this. I got 150 bucks to be able to get into it. What can we do? Uh huh. Yeah. No. That's that's the bet. You know. I think that's great advice. And there's nothing that says you have to to jump in head first. And no. And I don't think you should because you will get overwhelmed. <laughs> I think you should really start with if you're if you're a brand new to it, you never played, you never had any idea. You and a buddy want to get into it and play, or you're, yeah, buy the starter set. That's the perfect. Buy the starter set. Build it. At least start painting it. Even if you just spray it, like, yeah. like Chris is saying, just get some base colors on there or whatever. Just make them look different, you know, because you don't want to be like, oh, there's just a big pile of gray. You pay your, paint your guys gray, I'll paint my guys black, or, your, you know, Stormcraft Eternals are gold, I'm going to spray paint my guys gold. Now we can differentiate each other. Um, you know, you have you have something that's making you a little bit more into the game because it's like, okay, now I can see that our armies are It just looks so enough. much cooler, guys. Yeah. You just go look at some pictures or videos yeah. of guys, you know, where there's two fully awesomely painted armies on the mm-hmm. table, and then go look at pictures where you have two guys playing with unpainted armies. Yeah. And then, you know, so you, you got into that point, buy the book next. You know, buy the book for that army if they, if they have one. Some armies, unfortunately, don't have any yet, but they'll, they'll eventually come. Um, and then start looking, okay, well, here the last time that we played, here were my weaknesses, or here is what I'd like to see more of the army in. And then, okay, well, this unit does kind of what I'm thinking that I need. Okay, or this right. army, this unit is a heavy hitter, and I don't have any heavy hitters, and I'm having trouble breaking through his armor or something like that. Pick up a box of that. You don't have to go buying 20 boxes of anything. Pick up a box of that. Put it in your next game. You know, hopefully your buddy picked up something too, so that you know they're you guys are <laughs> you know you guys are keeping along the same lines, and then then start looking at okay, well, what do we need to do to start playing with other people, and just you know pick up a couple things here and there, build it, and 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 go from there. Don't don't just jump in head first and buy everything that you need because I, you're going to get overwhelmed, especially again if you've never done anything miniature wise um, or you know, even, you know, card game wise, you know, some of that stuff can get, get kind of intimidating oh, sure. too. So, um, just take it slow, get into the game, give it a, give it a couple months before you start even worrying about trying to build a 2000 point list. Make sure you like the game. I mean, that's the yeah. most important thing is, do you that's like the, the game? toughest part for me? It's not that I, cause I, I I've seen it enough. I've seen you play. I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've read it. I understand. I've played the, the Lord of the Rings game. I understand that I'll like the game, Yeah, but even just the shit, there's a lot. I mean, it's complicated. It's mm-hmm. not just, um, you know. So if you if you've never done any of that, I mean, to, to ju- like you like Chris said, you need to make sure you're going to like it because mm-hmm. well, the last thing you want to happen is to spend all this money and then you play your first two games and you're like, this is stupid. Why did I do this? Right. Um, so hopefully you've done a little bit of research before you start buying stuff. You've you've met some people, and even if you haven't, you know, you can you can go up to a games workshop store, you can go to whatever store, and there's you can I bet you can get somebody to demo a game for you. Oh, for you. sure. Um, and get at least an idea. Okay, yeah, I do like I, I do like how this game works. I like the flow of it, and then you know, just go from there. Just take it slow. There's no reason to rush any of this stuff. The game, the the, the miniatures aren't limited edition. Yeah, they're not going. Anywhere. You know, you don't have yeah. to worry about stuff going away. Um, 
and just enjoy the game for what it is. Enjoy those and, and those early times. I mean, that that's some of the most fun that you'll ever have playing the game is when you're first getting into the game and you're you're having these uh, these battles with your friends where you guys barely know what's going on, but you're but you're 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 starting to get the hang of it and you're starting to get like, oh man, like I didn't expect me to be able to do this, but I was actually able to win over here on this side of the board. You know, those little things yeah. they add so much to the game, and then when you look back at those times. You know, you you start enjoying the game even more because now you got memories about playing the game. You know, the, like I said, there's I love Warhammer. I love these games. I mean, <laughs> Can't tell it all. Yeah, <laughs> just just start slow, get there, and uh, and you'll have a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And just like Chris said, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to either of us if you have any questions, and, and we'll do our best to help you out, or even the guys at Cardinal or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure one of us can can help get you in the right direction. But absolutely. Um, I think that's all we got for you this week, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, hope you guys are liking the new format here. We kind of decided to ditch the uh, the old format that we were using the first couple episodes and, and just kind of talk about stuff in a little more detail and go into let our conversation be a little more organic, um, which I, I tend to like better. Um, but, yeah, thanks for listening again, guys, and don't forget to uh, like, share, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Um, if you guys are listening and you see the post on Facebook, um, in the group make sure you guys like that and, and comment and uh, we want your feedback too we want to see what you guys liked or or if you know for instance if if you see the post for this one and you listen to it and um you look into warhammer the next day like comment on and tell us what you looked into or what you're thinking about doing or whatever yeah um that's the kind of interaction we want to have um and hopefully like i said last time we're working on some ways to, to be a little more interactive with you guys with this kind of content too so um, we'll give you more details on that when we get it ourselves. We still have a lot of work to do, but uh, that's all I got. You got anything else, Chris? Uh, a nerd like me, media. At oh yeah, yeah. You guys can always, you know, outside of uh, talking to us on Facebook, um, you can you can email us at a nerd like me media at gmail dot com and uh, questions, comments, concerns, all that kind of stuff, and uh, we'll be sure to answer it either just in an email or on the show itself. So uh, thanks again, guys, and we'll catch you next week.